Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. Boston Globe housing reporter Andrew Brinker, welcome back to The Common. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man, it's been a little while. How you been? Good, you know, hanging out in the, uh, in the streets of Milton. Yeah, I see Milton uh, has been keeping you a little busy. <laughs> and I want to get right into it because it's a story that involves the MBTA Communities Act, which is a state law that would allow more housing to be built throughout the region. And a vote that took place just south of Mattapan in Milton last week that could lead to a problem for the state. Now, before we talk about why, quickly remind us of the details of the MBTA Communities Act, because you and I actually talked about it last year. That's right. Yeah. So MBTA Communities is this big law that was passed 2021 under former Governor Charlie Baker's administration that basically says that communities that are served by the T, and that's not just rapid transit, that's commuter rail, have to create new land use rules, new zoning rules somewhere near their T-stop that allows for more multifamily housing to be built. And so all of these, there's 177 communities that are in the process or have already finished up drafting these zoning guidelines. Uh, And that's where we're at right now. All right. Now let's go to Milton where this election took place last week. Now, the residents in that town voted against a zoning plan that would have put Milton into compliance with the MBTA Communities Act. I want to know about what was in this plan and how would it have changed Milton? Right. So Milton was in this first group of 12 communities that were classified by the state as rapid transit communities. Milton falls under that category because it has access to the Mattapan trolley. Mm -hmm. The Milton Select Board had drafted this plan that was later voted on and approved by a two-thirds majority in town meeting that basically would have created six new zoning sub-districts. And those sub-districts would have allowed various kinds of multifamily housing. And now what were the community arguments against it? So town meeting voted to approve this plan back in December and pretty quickly Uh, a group of residents that had been pretty vocally opposed to the plan mobilized and gathered enough signatures to trigger a referendum. And that referendum happened last week. And there were two pretty substantial campaigns, a yes and a no campaign. And so the no campaign had a couple of key arguments against the zoning plan that Milton had drafted. One of their main criticisms was that a fair chunk of this zoning was concentrated in this part of town called East Milton. There's this one particular area called East Milton Square that is already a little bit denser than the rest of town. And so they felt like it was unfair that that much of the zoning was, it was a little more than 50% of the zoning was clustered in East Milton. Mm -hmm. And then there were folks, that stretch of Granite Avenue, sort of near the border with Boston, that would have been rezoned. Folks were really worried about traffic along that particular stretch. And then there was this broader argument that the No campaign was making about their classification as a rapid transit community. They basically were arguing that the Mattapan trolley isn't fast enough and doesn't carry enough residents to be considered rapid transit. And so they really wanted the town to go to the state 
which, by the way, the town did and asked them to be reclassified, and the state said no. That is one of the no campaign's big sticking points is that they think that they shouldn't be rapid transit. Uh, The way MBTA communities works is if they had a different classification under the law, they wouldn't have to zone for quite so many units. Mm. So now that they've voted against the plan, what happens now? Well, that's a really good question. Um, on the local <laughs> level, yeah, on the local level, no one really seems to know exactly where this is heading. The general consensus is that the planning board probably has to come up with a new plan to try to get into compliance. And you have to keep in mind that Milton's deadline to comply with MBTA communities was at the end of last December. So they're already, you know, well past the deadline. The state essentially sent a letter saying, you know, we will excuse this violation of the deadline because of the fact that there's a town-wide vote happening. But once the town-wide vote happens, if you vote no, you will be considered out of compliance with MBTA communities. And so that's where they're at now. And so now they're, they're charged with coming up with a plan. And I, I feel like I should emphasize the fact that this was a really divisive campaign. You talk to anybody in Milton and they will say that no political issue has been quite as divisive as as this one. You know, it was really neighbors against neighbors and there were yard signs everywhere. And so now, you know, you have a community that is basically, you know, more divided on an issue like housing than they've ever been before. And they're charged with now somehow coming up with a new plan that everybody can sort of reach a consensus on. And it's a huge challenge. And a lot of folks have questions about whether or not they're going to be able to reach a consensus. Man, now, what kind of penalties does Milton face if they don't come up with a new plan? Yeah, and it's something the state is sort of trying to figure out still. They've outlined a couple of pretty direct penalties for not complying with this law. Uh, There's this whole long list of state grant programs that the Executive Office of Housing and Livable Communities has, has outlined. It's more than a dozen grant programs right now. The housing secretary said last week that they're looking to expand that list of, you know, grants that communities may theoretically not have access to. And those grants are sort of all over the place from, you know, most of them are around public infrastructure and that sort of thing. But then the other side of it is, you know, this whole legal question. You know, Milton has basically just voted to defy a state housing law. And the attorney general has said pretty directly in the last couple of weeks that if Milton doesn't comply, she would strongly consider filing a lawsuit. Now, she hasn't Mm. done that yet, but she has said, as I said, fairly directly, this is something they would consider doing. And and that would sort of be a whole nother can of worms, so to speak. Got it. Got it. Well, Andrew, we're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, I want to talk more about the MBTA Communities Act from a broader perspective. So we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, 
a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we are back with Boston Globe housing reporter Andrew Brinker. So, Andrew, I want to step back. The MBTA Communities Act requires more than 170 municipalities in the state to allow more multifamily housing. Like, that's the basic summary, right? That includes Milton, which we just discussed. How are other communities responding to this law? Yeah, well, MBTA communities has been controversial pretty much from the day it was passed. But at the same time, most communities have been going along for now. So I mentioned that Milton was one of 12 communities in this rapid transit classification. Other than Milton, the other 11 communities all passed new zoning rules. And there was some significant controversy in some of those towns. Newton, for example, a couple of city councilors pretty much lost their jobs over Mm. the rezoning effort. Brookline, I should say, had two sharply divided campaigns that sort of came together to form a consensus plan at the last minute of the communities that we've seen that have had a deadline. Most of them have passed something except for Milton now. Got it. And Andrew, I feel like it'd be irresponsible not to address the connection between what we're discussing today and the history of housing discrimination in Massachusetts and how that's played out through zoning. So can you remind us of that real quick? Because uh, I think it's safe to say that played a big part in in this housing crisis that we're seeing today? Sure. Well, I mean, (laughs) all you have to do is trace zoning back to its origins. You know, it started around this time, particularly single-family zoning, which is the kind of zoning that dominates in a lot of communities. And remember, zoning is what tells us what you're allowed to build on, you know, certain parcels of land in all of these different towns. So if you trace zoning back to its origins... The folks who crafted zoning were, by and large, looking to exclude. You know, there's this era in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s when some towns had been building at a fairly decent clip. This is around the same time that there was sort of white flight to the suburbs going on and busing was happening at the time and that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, all these suburbs sort of shut down. They wrote these zoning rules that basically prevented any new building and that sort of thing. So the Mm. connections are pretty disturbing and they live on today largely because a lot of folks don't really want their communities to change. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a huge uh, equity component to uh, this housing situation. Now, with all that said, if communities comply, how much could this plan help the state's housing crisis? Basically, the thinking is along among a lot of housing advocates and other folks in the housing world that MBTA communities is the state's most powerful tool for digging out of the housing crisis. And so, you know, there are some top line estimates out there of theoretically, if all of these communities zoned the way they were supposed to, you know, we could be looking at 
100,000 new units or something like that. That might not necessarily be accurate, mainly because there's a lot of things to consider. You know, you have to consider the current state of the economy and how developers are sort of on pause right now. And you also have to consider existing building footprints in these towns. You know, a lot of towns are drafting new zoning districts in places where there's already a lot of buildings. So, you know, you're not going to see all those buildings torn down and built back up to, you know, the maximum of what these new zonings allow. But the very basic thinking is that this could really be huge. It could be a huge first step for Massachusetts in its sort of journey towards digging out of this really daunting housing crisis. Okay, I want to go back to Milton. With its vote against its zoning plan, did it just set a dangerous precedent for the state when it comes to enforcing this law and ensuring that this law is successful? That's a really good question. And there are a lot of folks that are sort of wondering the same thing. Obviously, it's too soon to know exactly what the fallout from from this vote is going to look like. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that there are a lot of opposing groups sort of popping up in communities around the Commonwealth. There's supportive groups popping up too, but there's opposing groups, you know, these groups that just want their towns to not do this at all. And those groups celebrated Milton's vote. Milton was this first community to take, in their view, to take a stand, right, to say no to a big government mandate. That's kind of the, the attitude. And Milton's vote was sort of demonstrating to folks that, hey, we, maybe we have a choice here. It puts the state in a really tricky position where they need to figure out, you know, what they're going to do to get Milton to comply, essentially, mm-hmm. and send a message to maybe some of those other communities that are thinking about not complying that, hey, this isn't optional. Got it. Man, what a story. Andrew, thank you so much for doing the story and taking the time to come talk with us about it, man. I really appreciate it. And, it, you know, it's really nice to sit here and chat with you again. It's been too long. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. That's Boston Globe housing reporter Andrew Brinker. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, let us know your thoughts on the MBTA Communities Law. Hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.